And Martha was, you know, talking about my book and how excited she was. And Snoop was like, wait, 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 a book of salads? That's what I need. And I was like, <laughs> really? I've never really seen you eat a salad. And he's like, come on, a Cobb salad? It's got all the good stuff in it. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. She calls herself the Bob Ross of salads, and for very good reason. Jess Demick is the salad freak behind the new cookbook, Salad Freak, and a really fun guest on the show today. We, of course, get into the X's and O's of salad making, but also find out a bit about her journey, which included working very closely with Martha Stewart for over a decade. This is such a fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy getting to know Jess Damick a bit. Jess Damick, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. We're talking salad freak. Where did that name come from? I mean, it's like truly of a busy season of many cool cookbook titles. It is my favorite cookbook title. You know what? It's It started as a joke. Uh, <laughs> the title was, you know, kind of the last thing to be figured out for the book. And my agent said, oh, you know, I'm just thinking of all the great book titles. And she's like, dessert person. That was such a great title. You know, I wish we could think of something like short and to the point like that and catchy. And she's like... I don't know. My friends call me a salad freak, but that can't be the title. And I was as soon as I said it out loud to somebody else, my boyfriend was like, I mean, that's that's the title of the book. Are you kidding me? Like it, <laughs> it happened. I mean, that those kind of like serendipitous, like, you know, brainstorms, word salads, pun intended, are, are great ways to come up with things. Right. Yeah. In creative worlds. You know, we were just like thinking so hard and like, you know, throwing out a million things and it was this thing that just kind of came came off the top of her head that worked out um but you know I wasn't sure if I was ready to become the salad freak right, right I was worried and then you know my boyfriend's like oh you have to get the whole freak franchise started and I was like oh, I don't oh, know God, I don't know about that Exhausting. I was like <laughs> I think that I truly am a salad freak I feel like the so. original salad freak not to like uh, divert away from your ownership because you are the salad freak is like Paul Newman right right <laughs> Paul Newman's gotta be a salad freak right I I mean he had to be <laughs> I mean I, I I feel like there's a lot of salad freaks in the world but I, I do I love of your book, the Thank book you book. So much. It's a it's one of my favorites of the season. I've cooked from it. Um, I think I pickled some chive blossoms as a, as an idea this past spring that you presented to me. And Amazing, loved it. Let's talk about Martha Stewart because honestly, that's kind of the the way uh, you've entered kind of my universe. Um, originally, was through your work with Martha Stewart. We published all of her books here. We've I think we've had like fifty books. I, I I've lost count. Is that about? It's a, yeah. It's something around there at this point. It's amazing. It's incredible. So like I'd like to. What's the origin story? How did you enter Martha's orbit? And you are like Martha's personal salad chef. She so I, I've always been a huge Martha fan. I'm a Martha freak as well as a salad freak, <laughs> um, and you know, really, that was one of my big gateways into cooking. Uh, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, I'd look at Martha Stewart Living, and I'd try to make all of my family's holiday dinners look as much as I could like Martha. Um, and, you know, I love the idea of entertaining and having dinner parties and really just followed her super closely and had all of her cookbooks. 
And I went to college for pre-med and I was studying to be an orthopedic surgeon and Mm. cooking a lot and still really loving it, still having my friends over for dinner. And I decided one day, uh, I can't do this. Like, I want to cook. And my parents weren't super excited about that idea at first. Um, But I went to the French Culinary Institute and um, applied for an internship at Martha. It was for Everyday Food at Mm -hmm. the time, her little digest magazine. And uh, the person who interviewed me had seen my little food blog and saw that my kitchen was just filled with all of Martha's books. Um, And she was like, you're the right person for this job. So I started interning there. And I think I interned for like at least a year and a half, if not longer, um, while going to school in the evenings. And from intern, it kind of uh, went to freelancer and then eventually food editor and then uh, culinary producer and producer and uh, then just kind of working one on one with Martha. So you you entered you went through the traditional steps. You went from intern all the way up to like on Martha's hip for like important projects. right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, and then, you know. After I left the magazine and uh, I was doing all video content and after video content, I was really working on all of her TV shows, um, which was so much fun. I mean, I have to I have to mention Hacks. I'm not sure if you've seen yeah. the show. <laughs> I have. I feel like I have to I have to like draw some parallels in my brain, at least between the characters and Hacks and you and Martha. Are we are we are you are you with Martha on buses and in green rooms um, getting the side of Martha that I think everybody wants? I think everybody's starting to get it a little bit through her Instagram. Yes, Um, totally. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, she is – everyone's always surprised. She's the funniest person I know. Like she is just – her sense of humor is incredible. Um, She's brilliant and hilarious. Yeah. And it's, you know – I've obviously learned so much about cooking and getting stains out of my clothes and gardening and everything else. But like getting to know her sense of humor and her personality beyond um, what was traditionally shown on television. Absolutely brilliant. Such a gift. Brilliant. So like I have to ask you, what did you teach her? Because you must have taught her something, if not like how to log into Instagram. Um, well, I taught her what Spa Castle was. In Jersey? Uh, the one in Queens. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she was horrified um, when I told her about it. You, you actually did not go to Spa Castle? I've with, gone. Yeah, no, I didn't Martha. go with her. Okay. No, I told her what it was, and she <laughs> was like just – I was like, and there's a, a giant hot tub on the roof. And she's like, in Queens? To clarify, um, Spa Castle is a Korean spa that has locations in Jersey and Queens, and it is awesome. Yeah, it it's amazing. It is a amazing. fun place to hang out. Um, but besides that – um, you know, I, I think I've introduced her to a few things. She was on an episode of High Maintenance with me, which was so fun. Um, and, you know, uh, she loves just being involved with whatever she can that's new and cool and exciting. And she's so open-minded and curious. Um, so she's always asking questions. And Yeah. Um, Sp- I, so you taught her Spot Castle. You taught her what else? There's got to be one other thing. You must have taught her at least something about the modern-ish world. She's plugged, obviously, but, man, you're, you're a little more plugged in to some things. I, she Sometimes she just Googles things after she talks to me. Yeah. Her assistant will be like, oh, well, she, had, she looked up who that person was. Yeah. Or, you know, I got Benny Blanco on her radar. Dope. Um, so, yeah. And you're working with Benny. Benny's your buddy. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. like, my best friend out in L.A., and he's my cooking buddy for sure. We're... 
making dinners together like at least once or twice a week. Real star turn on this show, Dave. Just to have to say Benny and on the show Dave was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, shout out to him. Um, let's talk about the salad spinner because I, I feel like I, um, I love mine. I love mine so much, and I want to know if you are also a fan of the salad spinner or if there's an alternate way to, to... No, I think it's like the essential tool for salad making. Um, there's nothing worse than if you've spent all of this time making a salad and you take the first bite and there's like sand in it. Sand, yeah. water, <laughs> I and mean, there's so many things that the salad spinner gets rid of. Yeah. yeah, and it just, you know, I kind of, I find the process of washing lettuce like pretty relaxing sure. and meditative, but like also I realize if you're if you're doing it in any other way than using a salad spinner, it's going to take too long. Yeah. Um, it makes, you know, quick work out of it um, and especially it also kind of serves as a storage vessel um, yeah. if you have that much room in your fridge it's like the perfect environment for storing lettuce oh um, I d- that's how that's how I use it I, I I store my lettuce in the basket the basket goes in the fridge yeah 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 exactly um, and yeah I have my oxo salad spinner I'm obsessed with that one yeah. um, but any you know I, I think if you're into making salads you you have to have a salad spinner tell me about the words like salad salad freak like let, like let's dive into what makes a salad freak because I want to talk about that your book a bit but what is a salad freak I you know it's funny I thought like I didn't feel like I was alone in it but you know when I started the process of making this book it was like oh salads might be a hard sell like you know people like comfort food people yeah. like this people like that um it's going to be hard to convince people to get excited about salads and i was like well that's my mission here like i yeah. love everything i eat i think is a salad um and that really came from cooking with martha so much and just you know having access to like the the best produce and local and super seasonal stuff and mm-hmm. eating mostly produce with a little bit of protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of my definition of a salad. Um, and that's how I like, I like to eat everything in one, on one plate or one bowl and just have my whole meal right there. Yeah. I'm like not so worried about making side dishes and appetizers and all of these things like it's perfect to just have your whole meal right there. I love it. And I feel like Sweetgreen, I mean, this is not sponsored by Sweetgreen, but the, the, the company Sweetgreen, the brand that you may, you may have seen it in your town, uh, has helped everyone think about salad as not just a side, but the entree. I mean, their salads are so filling. Yeah. It's cra- like I yeah. have to come back and revisit it it like a second time that day if I get it for lunch. Definitely. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of chewing first off. It's like, a so lot of did, kale. It, a lot of kale. I go with the beets these, recently with kind of the, like the tabletop cut, like the chips. I always go with the shroomami. It's a good one, man. Which we, the name is also yeah. amazing. I have a f- couple of friends who are DJs who are like, <laughs> we're going to see if we can just like, that's, it's a good DJ name, DJ <laughs> shroomami. Yeah. Well, we're not sponsored by Sweetgreen. There's a lot of other salad bar restaurants um, and even salad bars in some towns. Yeah, um, which proves that people actually are excited about salads. And just the response um, for, about, with the book has been incredible. I've had so yeah. many people you know, send me messages on Instagram being like, ah, I'm such a salad freak too. Or I'm, you know, so excited to see this other like community of salad no, lovers out there. W- were you a, a Pizza Hut buffet salad bar combo one, two person growing up? 
I grew up on Shelter Island, yeah. so I wasn't really around a lot of fast food. Yeah. Um, it's not that I never went to um, Pizza Hut, but I, of course not. you know, sometimes. You but, are a human. You went to Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But um, yeah, a lot of salads, you know, my mom would always make like a mesclun green salad with chopped up little baby carrots and yep. like Italian dressing from the bottle and like maybe some sunflower seeds. <laughs> I, you know, I still go there. Yeah. I, I go there. Um, uh, my wife, Tamar, does the, the chops of the baby carrots. I'm not big. I like the shred more than the chop, yeah. personally. Let's talk about mistakes because I, I think our listeners are going to be interested in some of the, like, easy mistakes that – or the mistakes that can be made, like, really easily made um, from a home cook when you're making a salad. So what are some of those mistakes that we can avoid? I think we talked a little bit about the first one, which is not cleaning your yeah. lettuce properly. Um so your salad spinner is going to take care of that, and it's going to dry the lettuce, which that's another thing. Um, dressing is not going to stick to yep. wet leaves, so you want to make sure your lettuce is nice and dry before you dress it. Maybe on the same level is overdressing a salad. Um, an overdressed salad is not delicious. Um, it's no. either going to be, like, super soggy. You're not going to be able to taste any of the ingredients in it. Um, I don't think it looks as nice. No, <laughs> and and you really aren't serving salad on minute typically. I mean, in your world you are, of course, but you're usually letting that salad chill on your table while you're finishing the rest of the meal up, especially if it's like a dinner party. So too much dressing makes it soggy and people kind of just like forget about like, uh, right? Totally. And the truth is when I'm serving like a creamy vinaigrette on the salad, instead of tossing it and having it, I mean, it's so like heavy, it will weigh everything down immediately and like it gets soggy so fast and sort of looks, you know, it's hiding all of these beautiful colors and shapes and things going on in the salad. So I kind of, I usually serve it on the side yeah, and just let people put a little on their plate and then drizzle the dressing on top. And then it, you know, takes care of I was talking to Alison Roman recently about we as you will we salad dressing came up and I I want to talk to you about the idea of um uh, like that you've said like serve it on the side I think that's a very smart tossing a salad with dressing is kind of a mistake but what about like acid to um to to the oil fat ratio are you leaning like much more acid it's I I really really like bright flavors and acidic flavors I think that's why I'm so drawn to salads um I play around with it. It really, really depends. I'm also a big fan of using two different types of acid. Yeah. So um, mm. maybe something like a lower acid vinegar, like a white balsamic with a little bit of lemon to kick it up. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, it sort of like hits your tongue at different points. So you're still getting that like little pinch in the back of your cheeks, but it's not um, totally overwhelming. So get- smart because I think lemon juice is so overpowering when it's just, that's it. It's so lemon forward. Exactly. And then, you know, so white, I love white balsamic cause it gives you that nice natural sweetness. So you don't have to add sugar or honey or anything. Um, yeah, but I really encourage people to experiment in the back of my book. I have like a rough, like equation for making dressings yeah. and different ideas of what you can add, but there are so many amazing vinegars available now. There are so many little artisanal Mm -hmm. vinegar makers. And just even in your regular grocery store, there's more options than ever. Um, So I think once you start getting into it, it's like the possibilities are endless. I distracted us a bit from the mistakes. Was there another mistake that is made um, overdressing? We talked about somebody's going maybe a little too... uh, 
oil centric? What any other mistakes? You know, something people ask me all the time that I don't think is a mistake, if, sure. if that's okay. Let's flip, yeah. Is everybody's like, oh, well, you probably never buy packaged lettuce. Like, you must think that that's terrible. And I don't. I think that there's, you know, I think that, that sometimes that's all that's available. Yeah. And um, it's already washed, so you don't have to worry about that. It saves time. Sometimes it's the freshest option, depending where you are. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, oh. So, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a lettuce snob. Necessarily. No, no, and you shouldn't be. And, and also, if you buy a triple wash, pre washed lettuce, you don't have to add water to it, which is like such. A, once you add water to lettuce, it's like such a challenge. Yeah. To get to that perfect level where it's not wet. I mean, the salad spinner, of course, is great, but man, you don't always have a salad spinner. Totally. Um, I'm all about pre th- those boxes of lettuce. Let's talk about um, a few. <sighs> We've had the Caesar, right? We've had Green Goddess. We've mm-hmm. had these two dressings that have hit the zeitgeist or whatever, IG, whatever we'll call it, the the mainstream. So, Jess, like, what's the next flavor that's going to hit big like Green Goddess? Something that I've seen beginning to pop up quite a bit is, like, a classic Italian chopped salad, either yes. with a... a Italian vinaigrette or like a creamy Italian with some like Parmesan or something in there and I don't know I feel like every time I see somebody's photo of a chopped salad on Instagram I get hungry immediately yeah I think that's a great one too because it involves like so many things you might already have on hand in your fridge Um, you know you can throw olives in there if you have jarred artichokes or peppers or pickles or whatever you've got you can which you have you have cheese you might have some charcuterie or some meat Mm -hmm. and really that is the the salad as main option like yeah um so you're saying creamy italian slash creamy vin what what's the cream element then in there you know my secret ingredient for creamy dressings is always mayo right on it's like the best um because you don't have to add Sometimes you don't even have to add extra oil because you've already got it in there. Um, it's dairy-free, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I don't know, it doesn't offer the tang that buttermilk does, but it offers a richness that is hard to replicate. Is there a mayonnaise brand that you feel is great for salads? I'm putting you on the spot. That's okay. I have a, in all caps in the book, I wrote <laughs> that every recipe I developed was using Hellman's or Best Food yeah. mayo. Um I've also been recently introduced to Duke's, which has a mm-hmm. very similar neutral flavor. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of these fancy brands out there or the generic brands in stores, they just have a little taste. Were you in the American South? No. You just, I, Duke's just landed in L.A. at your home? Benny introduced me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that one, you know, I think when you're introducing other flavors to it, you want something really neutral. Um, so those are my, my great go-to. tips, Jess. I appreciate it. And, and, you know, any, any listener to taste podcast knows that we, we have a, an un- unhealthy obsession with ranch dressing. We talk about it a lot, but on pizza, I mean, it's boring. I'm sorry, a listener. Um, but I have to ask you, you know, where do you come, where do you stand on ranch on an actual salad? Uh, I love it. Perf. Yeah. We're good. We're friends. Yes. Good. We're good. Um, Snoop Dogg salad in the book has ranch dressing. He wanted a homemade ranch, so he got it. And it's, I mean, it's perfect. It's creamy, it's tangy, a little zesty. 
Um, and it is one of those things where, like, sometimes I'm like, I want Hidden Valley. Like, I don't want, I don't always want a homemade one. Sometimes it's nice to have that bottled ranch dressing. Can I say uh, Hidden Valley is too sweet for me? Yeah. I, I, I taste uh, some kind of artificial sweetener. Yeah. So my question to you is, you clearly are pro Hidden Valley. I like that. Can I do something to it to make it, like, a little, can I, like, doctor? Well, I found when I was making, trying to make my own for Snoops that would taste you know, ranchy enough uh, not, and not too fancy. What I found is doing a combination of buttermilk, a little white vinegar, but the essential thing was garlic powder. Mm, that, that adds that um, allium kind of bite. Yeah. The yeah. F- fresh garlic doesn't give you, it's not the same thing. It's like garlic powder is a specific, like, toned down, but, you know, garlic without the, the crazy yeah. bite. To it, I'm scared to microplane garlic into in raw garlic into salad dressings. I'm it's scared t- of it. It's too much. It's really uh, Martha never likes raw alliums in her dressing. Martha's wise. So whatever Martha says goes for me. My my uh, dad was a, was a salesman and he just never ate raw alliums just out of habit. Like yeah. Even when he wasn't on the clock, it just it just kind of ruins your day. It's a lot. It's intense. Yeah. Um, especially you know. It, when there's not a lot of other cooked <laughs> things going, I, it's really intense on a salad. Um, sometimes I like to just crush a garlic clove and soak it in the vinegar yeah. for a few minutes while I'm prepping the rest of the ingredients and then take it out. So there's, again, a little hint of garlic, but it's not like going to knock out your, you know, the person you're talking to. I like the two low-key Snoop Dogg references. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> great. Uh, you you work with Snoop on some TV stuff. Is Snoop... What's his? What's he? What's he eating these days? Like he's extremely in shape. You know, he looks I, great. He looks, I was, he, I was so surprised. I had never really seen him eat a salad. Yeah. I once fed him a crouton that like totally blew his mind. Huh. But you know, he and Martha have this wonderful um, kind of competitive friendship. Yeah. And Martha was you know talking about my book and how excited she was, and Snoop was like, wait, 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 a book of salads. That's what I need. And I was like, really? I've never really seen you eat a salad. And he's like, come on, a Cobb salad? It's got all the good stuff in it. And he starts listing everything. And then he goes, and nacho chips. And I was like, okay. wait, what? And then he was like, yeah, I like blue corn tortilla strips on my Cobb salad. And it's genius. Talk about the sweet green playbook. Yeah. I mean, the the guacamole greens. God, we are referencing sweet <laughs> green too much on here. They need to pay us at least a dollar. Guac greens always has those chips in it. It's. That's I great. think it's so important to have, you know, you need crunch. I agree fully. Let's talk about cooking salads. Can you have a hot salad? Is it possible? Like a hot, leafy salad? Does that? Can you do that? I have some in the book, so I, I'm going to say yes. I know you do. So, you're, <laughs> so tell me, uh, I guess my question is like, day-old salad, do you go hot with it, or is hot salad its own thing? I think hot salad's kind of its own thing. Like, in the book, um, I have, like, sautéed Swiss chard over a little bit of yogurt with an egg on it Mm -hmm. for breakfast. Um, Is it really a salad? Who's to say? (laughs) I I say it is. Um, Or a salad pizza that, you know, gets a big pile of escarole on top and then thrown underneath the broiler. Um, I think it's delicious. You know, uh, grilled romaine had its moment a while ago. I mean, um, we're still living in the gr- grilled rom- 
romaine moment right now, personally. I'm, yeah, I'm why not? Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> um, I have something I call a sheet pan salad that is yeah. like, you know, just any vegetables I have in the fridge with a couple pieces of chicken sausage, and then I just throw it over whatever greens I happen to have. And that's what I eat at least once a week Genius. for dinner. Let's go through this. This is so smart. Salad Freak, check the book. It's great. I, I, you're, you're taking a sheet pan. You're putting all that those greens that are like maybe just at the end of their life you're chopping up some 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 uh, some chicken sausage. What else is going on the sheet pan? My favorite combination is sweet potatoes and broccoli, um, which are two things I usually have in my fridge. Yeah. They both last a long time yeah. if they're like forgotten about. Um, you know, if I have some shallots, maybe I'll roast a few of those or carrots instead of sweet potatoes mm-hmm. or regular potatoes. Um, but usually, like something green and a root vegetable. You toss um, it with oil, a little yes. bit of oil, yeah. Yeah, and for a while I was experimenting with the air fryer, yeah, um, which also works really well. We've all dabbled. We all had our experimentation phase with the with the air fryer. We've all it's like college for some people. We just experiment. Yeah, it's funny. I you know being a a salad person, I eat a lot of olive oil. Yeah, and um, we a few friends and I did like a healthy eating challenge in January and everybody's mm-hmm. like you're just eating salads like how are you gonna <laughs> you're already eating so healthy and I was like I think I might eat like a half a cup of olive oil a day like I'm I you know drizzle very I'm very generous with my um, olive oil and I was like I think I'll just like try the air fryer just for like a month and see what it's like and it was it's crazy I, I I, I, I like it. It's a great it's a great piece of equipment. It's great if you don't have like gas or you just have a plug if you're like on the road air fryer. Yeah. Great. Let's talk about olive oil. Do you ever if you're messed with Graza? Yes. Brand? I love Graza. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like uh we haven't mentioned the taste podcast. I I the squeeze bottle product, I love Graza. I yeah. I think it also tastes really good. Yeah. Um and one of the reasons I like to recommend it is because, you know, there's so many types of olive oil available now. And when you're you get to the aisle in the store, it's like if people ask me, what do you want to look for? And it's like single origin is the most important thing. Yep. Um, most olive oils are blends. You have no idea what's in there really. Um, and, you know, then besides looking for single origin oil, I like to suggest having a cooking oil mm-hmm. and a finishing oil. And Graza has these two products available that are both single origin. They're both really tasty, and it takes all of the guesswork out of it. Um, plus, there's this subscri- subscription, which is like makes it even easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you go through as much oil as I do, it's nice I, to have it just come to your I, see. That's house. what I'm thinking too. Like, I feel like I have my brands um, that I get at the grocery store, but I also like Graza, which arrives as a sub. And again, not a paid sponsor. We, we, we're just I just love that product. So glad yeah. you're into it. Yeah, it tastes, you know, especially with an oil for making vinaigrettes, um, it's not that you want something neutral, but you want something kind of light and fruity yeah. that's going to play well with other flavors. Um, and theirs works really well. I also love um, California olive oil, the All California yeah, the ranch. blend is a, is yeah. another good one that um, is available. That's the one everywhere. I use. Usually go with the All uh, the All California blend, a little more expensive than the than like the the Greece Spain blend. But I, I like that one. Can we talk overrated, underrated, just quickly? Yeah. What's the most overrated salad? Let's go. Uh, wedge. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not healthy. I in a weird way. I, I, this isn't like a health fucking podcast but like 
It just isn't. It's just too much. It's also the dressing yeah. is not distributed properly. Like, I like the idea of it, but what you kind of have to do if you're going to make it really delicious is separate the leaves of iceberg and, like, get a little dressing in the in the cracks because otherwise it's just, like, you know, a scoop on top and then you have – it's just – and it's a little hard to – I don't know. It's not my favorite. I do have a wedge in mm-hmm. the book because I had a friend who really loves yeah. wedges and I did some things to it to make it something that I hmm. really like. Um, but, yeah. Underrated. Let's go there. Underrated salads. A salad that maybe maybe it's a combination. Uh, maybe it's an actual, like, proper noun named after an old hotel or dead person salad. <laughs> Um, you know, I had a moment in the book of just like, oh, you know what? It gets skipped over all the time. Just a mixed green salad. Yeah. Like just some beautiful greens with a very simple vinaigrette. And I put a little crunchy shallots on top of mine. Um, I think so often in both books and magazines and probably TikTok and everywhere else too, um, we forget about the basics yeah um but you know what like you know if no one's showing you how to make a really really good mixed green salad you're not gonna just know so i like to uh, appreciate that too because there are some really beautiful mixed greens available um in stores and at your farmer's market and it's a really nice way to and like them. it's two ingredients too yeah. i mean it's vinaigrette plus greens and you don't have to th- overthink the maximalist approach to salad making which Sometimes is not what you need if it's like the fourth item on your table. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about um, to make a great salad, I need to buy this plus this plus this plus this. I'm like, this is not math. We're not doing math. But like, are there like four things? And like, I'm going to say like a, a, a tool, an ingredient. I'm in combination of all of this. Okay. So the first thing is... Well, I was going to say something green, but not every salad yeah. in the book is something green. Um, but really, one piece of produce you really want to mm-hmm. highlight, whether it's, um, you know, arugula or like a peach. Um, I like to kind of focus on one thing that's going to be like the star of the dish. Next thing is um, something crunchy. I think almost every salad I want to eat at least has either a nut or a seed mm-hmm. or a crisped up shallot or something um, that you can add that's going to play around with texture a little bit. Almost every salad, you'll need a knife to cut it. Yep. Um, I like a santuku blade for cutting vegetables, especially if you're like just getting started working on your knife skills. Um, it has a nice flat blade. And Santukus are forgiving. Yeah. I, I agree fully. I like that blade a lot. Yeah. It's great. Um, we talked about the salad spinner already, um, mm. which is a good one. We talked about olive oil, which you're definitely going to need. Uh, and you don't always need vinegar, sometimes just a lemon. Yeah. But I like this white balsamic vinegar or lemon combination. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. So you're like, you're living in LA mostly, and it, I love LA. We talk about it a lot on the show. It's a great, it's a great city for many reasons. But it seems like it's a really fun time right now to be like a quote unquote food person in LA because, like, you have a lot of friends who are in the industry. Um, and I feel like maybe even five years ago, it wasn't like 
that cool to be a food person. But like right now, cool is I hate that word, but like it's <laughs> it's got to be fun to be in the conversation with so many different people being a food creator, cookbook author in Los Angeles right now. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that's really fun for me is there's space to feed people. Like I have a dining room table, which is something I did not have in New York. I had a large coffee table where I still, you know, made that work to have a few friends over. But to have, you know, a table that six or eight people can can be sitting around is an amazing gift Um, to be able to have a backyard where even in, you know, the height of COVID, I could have people over to feed them. Um, That has been amazing. You know, creating a community around, you know, enjoying food together Mm -hmm. um, has really been Mm -hmm. such an amazing experience. And there are so many, you know, super talented people out there right now um, and just, you know, people in other industries who are super passionate about food. Um, And it's been really fun to be exposed to some new ideas and God, the the produce. I was going to say, like, you've got the produce and the produce. But, like, it really is true. Like, you've got produce all the time in L.A. And you can always cook from the markets because, you know, between Santa Monica and Hollywood, you've got, like, incredible markets there. And I have a really big garden in the backyard. I I left 25 tomato plants at home, um, which, you know, has been added a whole different you know, level of appreciation for these ingredients. Yeah. Your partner's Ben Sinclair from the show High Maintenance. You know, big fan of the show. Lots of food in the show. Um, do you – are you collaborating with, with him at all on any, on any shows? Because I feel like the crossover is going to happen. You know, we, we work a lot together on different things. We certainly work together on every party we have at our house. It's a, you know, a beautiful combination of mm-hmm. personalities and he um, entertains everybody while I'm still wrapping up in the kitchen and he's an essential part to, you know, the whole vibe we kind of create together. Um, and I think it, we inspire each other's work a lot. Are we working on something together? Not Right now. <laughs> Dinner party has been optioned by Hulu yeah. uh, and it'll be on in 2020. I'm just kidding. But it's really Joking. nice to, um, you know, obviously both be creative people in different fields, but be able to inspire each other so much. I love it. This has been such a great conversation. We ask all guests on the Taste Podcast, if you could write a cookbook or food culture book um, without the burden of budget, meaning you have unlimited money or the burden of time, meaning you have unlimited deadline, what would that book be? I am, you know, really convincing everybody that I should be writing it right now. It's always it's been going on in the back of my mind for a while. But, you know, the thing I love most is is dinner parties. Um, I worked with I have worked with Martha for over a decade. And, you know, I feel like that's a pretty I've had a really unique opportunity to learn so much from her. Um, But also, you know, I'm living in a different world than she came up in. Um, so I have my own take on entertaining and sharing food and, you know, I'm, I love music. I love gardening and all of, I'm a visual artist and all of those things come into the way I entertain. And I really, you know, I can't have every person in the world around my table, but I really like to show them how that they can do that for their friends and their family. It's going to be a cool a dinner party freak coming in 2025. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, it's cool. I, I mean, I, I you clearly have a lot of uh, a strong point of view when it comes to entertaining and 
really nice to meet you. Yeah, this was so fun. It was so nice talking with you. Justin Mook, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Thank you. The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.